This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second reading is from the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. So it's Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. This is Paul's letter to the Romans, God's word to them, and God's word to us this day. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would send your spirit among us um, to speak your word, your healing word, your challenging word, your uh, gracious word to our lives, to our hearts, to our community, your people this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, our daughters recently watched Frozen 2. They've actually watched it many times, not as many times as Frozen 1, uh, but our daughters watched Frozen 2, which is the second part in the story of the sisters Elsa and Anna. Um, Frozen 2, it's, it's their adventures together, and the, the title track, the theme song of Frozen 2 is Into the Unknown. Um, and it's sung by the main character, Elsa, toward the beginning of the movie when she's being drawn into sort of a new, unknown adventure and future, and she starts belting out Into the Unknown. And it's sung a lot in our house. Uh, it's both on, on, our, uh, on our speaker, the girls sing it a lot. It's, it's around, especially the, the chorus, Into the Unknown, and I was kind of absentmindedly humming it this week. Um, and then I started kind of singing it a little bit. I was thinking about having us all sing it together, but I decided we wouldn't. I was singing a little bit, and, uh, and then I started channeling my, my inner Elsa uh, into the unknown, and I just started thinking, isn't that so much of what our lives are like right now? Uh, uh, COVID, the, the Delta variant, um, so much unrest abroad, even uncertainties within our church family, a new pastor coming. And then uncertainties and and fragility personally in our personal lives, whether with a job or health, or maybe just starting a new school, starting a new grade. Um, The challenges and uncertainties when family tragedies strike. We're, we're, We're living with this deep sense of uncertainty 
a deep sense of how fragile our world and our lives are. And so we can react in different ways. We can, uh, we can kind of check out when things are uncertain, or we can get caught up in the angst and anxiety of the situation. But the question is, is how, as followers of Jesus, how do we live in to these times of uncertainty? How do we live into these times? The call as followers of Jesus is not towards checking out or just getting lost in the chaos, but is to push in, to recenter ourselves on what is most important, to recenter ourselves in the new life that is offered in Jesus. Uh, challenging dimes can do many things, but the call as a church is to be like, uh, like a tree during a time of drought that sends its roots deeper into the soil, searching for water so that it can continue to grow and to flourish. That's the call for us as a community of faith during these uncertain times, is to root ourselves, to recenter ourselves in the essentials of our faith. Where the call here is to cling in uncertain times, to cling to what is good, as Paul calls us to hear, to cling to what is good. And we're going to talk about clinging to what is good in uncertain times and also cultivating the good in our lives, cultivating the new life that has been given to us in Jesus. So we're going to look at clinging to that new life and cultivating that new life in times of uncertainty. So, again, there's... there's as we, as we look at clinging to new life during times of uncertainty, times of uncertainty, they can do a lot of different things to us. Some of us react in times of uncertainty. Um, we get apathetic. We check out. We kind of remove ourselves from the situation, which for a time cannot be a bad thing, but we start to do that permanently. We can check out. It's actually really easy to do in a pastoral transition. It's easy in our lives of faith and our commitment to one another to slowly check out. We can also swing in the other direction during uncertain times and we can be just driven to angst and anxiety as our lives just get caught up in the tumultuous things happening personally in our world so we can drift between apathy and anxiety. And, and the reality is, is that uncertain times, they change all of us. We're all changed and fragile in uncertain times, whether we're hardened into apathy, whether we're just caught up in angst and anxiety. Uncertain times, they change us. As, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, the call here in Romans is that what uncertain times can do is they can actually push us in to what's most important. They can, they can actually change us for the good. They can push us in to drive us to cling to what is most important in life, to recenter our priorities, almost maybe to find our priorities in the first place. This, uh, this happens in lots of th this reality of, uh, of challenging times um, actually leading to recenter us on what's important. So many Christmas movies are about this. Often it's the dad. Um, if you think of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, 
the character played by Jimmy Stewart, um, his life went into chaos, but what that chaos did is it allowed him to discover again what was most important in his life. And that's what challenging times can do as well for us. They can push us, they can drive us towards what is most important. And as Christians, fragile times, again, we're going to be changed in fragile and uncertain times. It could be apathy, it could be anxiety, but the, the call that Paul is calling us to here is that uh, as Christians, challenging times, they're meant and they can drive us towards transformation. We're going to be changed in some way, but challenging times can drive us to be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus, to become more and more like Jesus in our lives, and can change shape us as a community, to become a community together that reflects who Jesus is more and more in the world. Now, the Romans, this Roman church who Paul was writing to, um, they were a fragile church too. They were a very fragile people. Um, they, they lived in times where so much was out of control, out of their control, so much was out of their hands. I wrote in the, in the heart of the matter, it's, it's important to remember that uh, these early Christians in Rome, they, they lived in neighborhoods with population densities higher than modern Manhattan, where uh, disease, um, where lack of cleanliness, it, the, the average life expectancy during that time was around 30 years. This is, this is where most of these early churches were, in these tenements and in these neighborhoods, in these dense neighborhoods in early Rome. Many of these Roman Christians were slaves. Their life was very much out of their control. And they weren't just living in a fragile world. They were in a fragile church. Um, about five years or so before, or the decade before Paul wrote this letter, um, all of the Jews in Rome, which included the Jewish Christians, who were really the core of the church in Rome, they were kicked out of the city by the emperor. The leadership of the church was kicked out. And so this left these young Gentile Christians to find their way forward without some of these core leaders who had been part of founding the church in Rome. And then not only that, but five years later, the Jews were allowed to come back. Some of them did, some of them didn't. So some of these Jewish Christians came back to Rome. So you can imagine the division that came when you had these Gentile Christians forming, starting to kind of find their own way, and then these leaders come back again. So you had this divided, fragile church in Rome. And this is the community that Paul is writing this letter to. This isn't a perfectly put-together group of people. And so what Paul is doing it throughout Romans is he's laying out what are these essentials, these key core pieces to what it means to be a Christian. And the first half of Romans chapters 1 through 11, roughly, are about what is it that it, what does it mean to be a Christian? What has God done for us? What is this new people that he's created? What, what is the gospel? Paul's laying out what is the gospel? The gospel, what God has done through Jesus to create a new people and a new way 
in the midst of a still fragile and broken world. And then this first half of Romans, Paul's talking about how do we embrace that gift of new life, not by working our way up towards it, but by faith, by trust in God's grace that he's welcomed us into this new way of life. So Paul's laying out what God has done. Who is it that we are as this new people? We have this new status. We have this new family. We have this new future. He's laying out kind of, this is the situation. This is what's happened. So that's chapters 1 through 11. Chapters 12 through 16 are the sort of so what chapters. Okay, here's reality. So what? What does this mean for how we live, how we live out our faith, how we walk in this world? It's like um, the so what question is kind of like, like an abandoned orphan child if it's adopted into a new family. How is that going to reshape how that child lives in that family, how that child sees themselves, how they relate to others? That's what this second part of Romans is about, starting in chapter 12. The so what? How, how does this change things? How does this change who we are? And what Paul is describing in these three verses, there's really three core essentials to what it looks like to live out this new life that we're given as Christians. There's three things, three essentials. Compassionate relationships with one another, commitment to pursue our walk with God, and care and hospitality for the outsider. Those three things, compassionate relationships with one another, commitment to nurturing our walk with God, and care for the outsider. I'm going to unpack these in a second, but these are the essentials that Paul is talking about. So when we face uncertainty, when we're just weighed down by how fragile our world and our future is from our perspective, the call is not to drift into apathy and to checking out or anxiety and angst just being trapped and caught up in the chaos of our world. The call is to recenter ourselves and almost to let the uncertainty push us to our foundations, maybe foundations we've never encountered before, but to drive us towards what is good. And as Christians, the ultimate good is this new life that we have in Jesus. And we're called to cling to that life. Uncertainty drives us to cling to that. As Paul says in, in, um, in verse 9 of chapter 12, hold fast to what is good. Cling to what is good. So we cling to what is good, but we also cultivate it. We cultivate it. We, we intentionally pursue what's most important in our lives. We intentionally pursue these essential core pieces of what it means to be a Christian. It's like, it's like a farmer who carefully, intentionally, patiently tills the soil, right? removes the rocks and the debris and the field, protects from the pests that could get in and destroy the crop, carefully, intentionally, patiently cultivating the field so that God would bring the rain and the sun to grow the harvest. This is what we do day to day, week to week, in our lives as Christians, both individually and as a community together. So we intentionally cultivate these essentials. And again, these essentials, compassionate relationships with one another, commitment to pursue our walk with God, and care for the outsider. 
So first, cultivating compassionate relationships with one another in uncertain times. In, in verse 9, Paul says, let love be genuine. And then later, love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul's laying out these core pieces. So here's this core piece, compassionate relationships with one another. Maybe for, maybe for us or for you, it's, it's as simple as inviting someone for a meal, planning a walk with someone at our church. How can we know how to bear one another's burdens if we don't even know what those burdens are? Or how can we celebrate with each other if we don't even know what the joys in our lives are? Cultivating relationships behind the scenes. We also have to remember that this church that Paul's writing to, he's talking about this mutual love in part because of how many divisions exist in this fragile little church in Rome. So the reminder is also to be a people of grace and forgiveness, and also a people who are willing to be honest and to confess when we've screwed up, when we've messed up a relationship, when we've hurt somebody. This is all part of cultivating these compassionate relationships that is so central to what it means to be these new people that God has made. So it's about cultivating compassionate relationships, and it's about, it, and it's about our commitment to continue to nurture and cultivate our walk with Jesus, patiently, intentionally. What does Paul talk about? Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. In verse 12, this, this could mean, you know, cultivating, creating time. Maybe it's for some really intentional discipleship relationships. Maybe it's joining the, the Bible study on Acts. Maybe it's as simple as just carving out maybe just 15 minutes just for some time in the Bible, for some time to pray, persevering in prayer even when times are uncertain, especially when times are uncertain. And if you're here today, you don't consider yourself a Christian, maybe you're you know, just skeptically but seeking, the call here as well is to do that with intentionality, with focus, with purpose, that could be, I don't know, pursuing a, a conversation with me or, or with Tim or Scott, who are going to be the new interims, but, but pushing in to that search, pushing into that spiritual journey, that spiritual quest that you're on with intentionality, with purpose, cultivating that walk with God. And then caring for the outsider. This is part of cultivating this new life in our community, care for the outsider, hospitality for the outsider. Um, I love the word here in the Greek for hospitality that's used throughout the, the New Testament. Many of you know the word um, xenophobia, which is fear, phobia of strangers or the foreigner, xenophobia. This word here is actually philoxenia. So you have philo and you have xenia. And philo is, if you think of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love is philo, love. And then xenia is the stranger, the foreigner. So the call is God's people. Again, this isn't just a throwaway aside. Paul is laying out the essentials of what it means to be a community of Jesus. And it's to be lovers 
of strangers, welcoming, embracing the outsider, the foreigner, in our midst. And this could happen just on the personal level in our church, just keeping an eye out for people who are new, welcoming them, caring for them, learning about them. Um, This could happen in our personal lives, whether it's at school or at work, that new student or maybe a new employee who's kind of on the outside, lost a little bit, welcoming them in, embracing them. The call especially here is about people who are different from us, whether it's culture, class, gender, race, all these different differences that we experience in our lives. It's reaching through those differences to embrace one another, to welcome people in. And then we can scale out to who are we as the church, not just our church, but the church more broadly in greater Newburyport? Who are we as the church globally welcoming, being hospitable to the refugee, the immigrant, the stranger? These are part of the essentials of what it means to cultivate our new life as a community in Jesus. So in uncertain times, the call is to push in, to cultivate these three essentials, compassionate relationships with one another, commitment to cultivate our walk with God, and cultivating care and hospitality toward the outsider. Um, a, A woman who embodied just these three qualities so much in in my life and in our family's life um, was a mentor that Julie had in when we lived in Spain whose name was Jan Courtney. Now, Jan is not going to be noted in any history books or written about, but um, Jan entered into our lives in a very fragile time. We had actually... Um, We'd actually just moved to Spain to work as missionaries serving in university ministry there. Um, And Jan and her husband Tom lived in Spain and worked with us. Jan had a very, uh, her life took her in many unexpected directions. She, She was raised as a British citizen and then lived in the United States and then Mexico and then Spain and then finally in Scotland before she died much too early of cancer um, just a few years ago. So, and when we arrived in, in Spain, um, we, we were faced with a number of challenges. On top of the uncertainty of kind of culture shock, we found out just a few days after we arrived that Julie was pregnant with our first daughter, Ellie. Um, and so put the uncertainties of culture shock with the uncertainties of being new parents put those all together, and then for Julie, just being pregnant and giving birth in a place with no family, with a culture that was so unfamiliar, norms that were so unfamiliar, having to walk that journey without all those supports around her. And so Jan Courtney stepped into that time. Um, She just patiently, regularly, intentionally met with Julie, prayed with her, nothing flashy, but just walked with her, Jan and her husband Tom would just invite us over to their home for meals, just kind of being doted upon a little bit, this lost young couple in a foreign land, um, just creating a space of peace 
and family and rest for us. Um, I remember one, one time when Julie was particularly undone. This is after Ellie had been born and just the challenges of motherhood. And she, had, she met with Jan and um, Jan, Jan had told her, like, Julie, you can't take on the entire future, all the possibilities every single day. She, and she said, you just pray this verse over yourself. Um, the, the, God's mercies are new every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. Live in the day. God's mercies are new every morning. That's actually from Lamentations, which is the passage that great is thy faithfulness is written off of that we sang today. I didn't realize that until I heard it as we were prepping. Um, but his mercy, God's mercies are new every morning. And I've had to kind of pray that verse over my life on days when I'm just especially undone, waking up with all the angst and anxiety of all the pressures that I'm facing. One day at a time, God's mercies are new every morning. So Jan met us in that place of fragility in our own lives. And then we came slowly to learn that Jan had countless friendships and mentor relationships like these with women all over, missionaries, um, Spaniards, Latin American immigrants. She had these relationships behind the scenes that she was nurturing these relationships, walking with people in their joys and in their sorrows. She was a woman to a faithful prayer, a life soaked in the scriptures, and not surprisingly, just a way of life soaked in the way of Jesus. And she walked in those ways through all these unexpected places that she lived, some in her control, some out of her control. So our futures, from where we stand, looking ahead, they're uncertain. Life is fragile. Our futures are uncertain. And, and, and we feel that both personally, for our church, for our world, there, there, there's real uncertainties that we face. Again, we can get caught and swing between apathy, checking out, or we can get pulled in to angst and anxiety and just getting caught and tossed around in all the uncertainty around us. But what God is wanting us to do is that somehow that those uncertainties would actually push us to recenter on what's most important. And not just to push us, but to cling, to hold fast in these uncertain times to what's most important. And not just to hold fast, but to cultivate this new life that we're given in Jesus. And we do that, again, through compassionate relationships with one another, commitment to nurturing our walk with God, and then care and hospitality to outsiders. And we're called to do that now. Now, not after we have a new pastor. Not after COVID finally begins to recede. This is the people we're called to be now. And as we do this, we begin to carry these ways into the future, this good future that God has promised for us. So God welcomes us in, in his grace, into this new life, this new life 
that the gospel says that in Jesus, God has created the new in his life, death, and resurrection in the middle of the old, in the middle of the broken. Our God is a, is a transforming God. He transforms our lives now, taking, bringing healing where there's brokenness, um, bringing wholeness where there's, things are fragile, bringing strength to a weak people, and ultimately bringing life out of death. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this new life that you have called us into in Jesus. We trust that he has made the way, makes the way, and will continue to make the way before us. Thank you that your spirit is with us, guiding us at every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're now going to enter a time of responding to God's word. Um, and what I wanted to do this morning is we're just going to take two minutes of just quiet reflection and prayer. What I invite you to do, so we're just going to take two minutes of quiet. Um, and what I invite you to do is, if you're a journaler or just note it in your mind or, or, or however you want to, is to just prayerfully reflect on what is one small way, even just this coming week, that you can cultivate this new life that is broken into this old world uh, in, in your life, whether it's, it's nurturing cultivating compassionate relationships in the life of the church, your own personal walk with God, or care and hospitality for the outsider. I'd just like you to just, just center in on one thing. Take note of that. And I just encourage you to try to live into that this week. Um, I, but if, you're, if today you're so overwhelmed and you can't move to that kind of proactive step, I at least want you to, to just start to note where do you feel most fragile? today? Where do you feel most fragile? And then just offer that to God in prayer. Ask him to come in and enter into that space and bring healing. So let's just, it's going to be quiet. Maybe it'll be a little longer than we, we, we get a little uncomfortable after a while, but just rest in the quiet. So let's just take a few moments for prayerful reflection and I'll close our time in prayer. So let's just take a few moments of quiet together.
let's, let's just transition into um, bringing our prayers, the prayers of the people together before God. Let's pray together. Almighty and gracious God, we pray to you. You hear our voice, our voices this morning. At the rising of the sun, we offer our prayers, and we wait, and we wait for your response. God of compassion, we remember before you the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, the victims of war, injustice, and humanity, and all others who suffer from whatever sufferings they're going through. God, especially heavy on our hearts this morning, our ward and Sue Emanuelson, whose son, Mike, unexpectedly passed away on the 24th. Lord, we can't imagine their pain and their grief, but you know it. Lord, we, we can't imagine the suffering that they're experiencing. So we pray that the God of peace and comfort would be present to them. Be present to them, Lord. Even in the midst of all the chaos and the confusion and the unanswered questions, Lord, the wonderings, the guilts, the, the guilt, the fears, Bring your peace into their lives. Bring your comfort to them, Lord. Help us as a church body um, to be discerning and also sacrificial in the ways that we love them, the ways that we bear them up during this time. But bring your peace into this tragic situation, Lord. We pray for Jim and Carol Furno. As they manage Jim's cancer treatment plan, Lord, give them wisdom and insight, and again, also peace and comfort as they walk with you through this very challenging time. Lord, we pray for the country of Haiti. Lord, some of these situations feel so complicated and confusing, so much suffering and so much tragedy. But Lord, we pray just for simple things like safe transportation of humanitarian relief, just equitable distribution of help to all the victims, not just the rich, but for the most affected, the most poor. We also pray for the witness of your church to be a witness of both word and deed, um, sharing the good news um, of this God who brings healing and wholeness through our, through our lives, through our actions, and through our words. Pray for generosity of your church. We pray that it would arrive quickly. Pray that you would limit the greed and misuse of funds and relief materials, give vision and political will for local authorities so that they can seek the good of the people that they lead. We pray for safety for um, both American and allied troops as they leave Afghanistan. Lord, another situation that feels so hopeless. God of hope, we ask that you would bring a new and good future for that country. We're not sure how, but we trust in your goodness and grace. We pray for uh, justice and peace there. And we pray especially for the people of Afghanistan who are suffering the most. 
Um, help us to be a place of welcome for all the refugees that are going all over the world, that women will be respected and allowed to continue their education, that Christians will be spared, and that the country will not become a haven for terrorists, and that the Taliban will be restrained from doing evil. Loving God, we offer these prayers, joining our voices to the great chorus of those who sing your praise and depend on you alone. We long for that day when your children will live at peace and praise your name. Until that day, give us patience and enduring hope, rooted only in Jesus, who taught us to pray with all your people, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.